This morning I'd like to look at a small portion of narrative with you from the prophet Jonah. And I always encourage you to bring a Bible along with you so you can uh, exercise your Bible fingers. You can certainly follow along uh, what's printed for you there in the bulletin as well. Jonah is a bit tricky to find. Uh, You have those larger prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, and then Jonah. So there's only a couple pages uh, in there. You can find Jonah. Our theme this morning, it really is a theme every Sunday morning as we gather, to give praise and to give thanks uh, to our God uh, for His grace, for His mercy uh, that sustains us each and every day in Christ. And so we're going to feast together in just a little while uh, downstairs of the food that's being prepared, thanking the Lord for His bounty. Um, So you think, well, what is a runaway prophet from a a really lesser-known family and a very large fish have anything to do with Thanksgiving? That's a good question, uh, but I think we'll find as disciples of Christ, when we look at Jonah's experience, uh, that there is much that we can learn um, from uh, the story of Jonah. And just a little background on Jonah uh, before we read here from from chapter 2. Jonah is a spokesman for God. He's a prophet. um, And he's going to the people of Israel, this is in the northern kingdom, after the the people of God have been divided into a northern and southern kingdom uh, during the reign of King Jeroboam II. So you can read about him in 2 Kings chapter 14. If you like dates, and that that helps you, this is about 750 to 780 B.C. Uh, The very well-known prophet Elijah was taken up in a whirlwind to glory about 25 years before um, the prophet Jonah comes onto the scene. But as a spokesman for God, Jonah is also a representative of the people of Israel. Uh, This is something that's important for us to keep in view, that with this character, we, we get a good idea of how the people of Israel respond, how they act towards the Word of God what type of relationship uh, they have with the Lord. And so this message is is going to the people of Israel. God's sending them a message through the prophet, and that's intended to shape their response and their actions. Um, In fact, that's the nature of all prophecy. It has an ethical aim to it. People are to respond in some way, and we are uh, no less. So God instructs Jonah to go to Nineveh. So if you're looking at me, you can, can picture the Israel and where that land is. Nineveh is over here in the capital of Assyria. But instead of going to the northeast to Nineveh, Jonah makes a beeline this direction to the northwest, uh, to the city of Tarshish. And um, we don't know exactly why Jonah does this, actually. When you read the prophet, we're just given the facts. And we may get a little idea in chapter 4. Uh, if you've seen the VeggieDales in- interpretation of this, The the Ninevites are those vicious fish slappers, right? And thankfully, VeggieTales is tailored to a younger audience because they are a ruthless and immoral, wicked people. Uh, There's artifacts that have been uncovered during that time period that show the Assyrians, and it was the capital of Assyria, uh, taking their slave, they would skin people alive which is more than you wanted to hear, I'm sure, this morning. Because you have an idea of the kind of people. So maybe Jonah's going this direction because he's afraid of them. 
That's a real possibility. Maybe there's just a deep hatred towards the Ninevites. Maybe there's a pride. Those people? No way. Probably a combination of all those that moves Jonah in the opposite uh, direction. Um, But the Lord gently reminds Jonah that you cannot run from the sovereign God of the universe. Um, You cannot hide from Him. You cannot ignore Him. And so Jonah finds himself uh, going for a swim. And we're going to pick up right there in uh, verse 17 of chapter 1 and read through uh, 2 verse 10. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head at the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. Mm -mm -mm. Anybody hungry right now? Uh, And this is God's holy word to his people. Let's pray together. Lord God, we are in awe of you, that you would condescend to us and speak to us in a way that we can understand and in a way that we need. Lord, we ask you to feed us now through your word. Lord, this is a strange story, a disgusting story. And if it doesn't turn our stomach, it certainly has us scratching our heads as to what you may be showing us in these events. Lord, teach us. Show us why we need this story in Jonah. That we might know you more, love you more. We need your help now, we ask in Christ's name. Amen. There's no question that the prophet Jonah had a very big fish story. Right? Jonah, how, was that, how big was that fish that you caught? You have fish stories, right, Ron? Yeah. Well, you know, I didn't, I didn't exactly catch it. But it really was this big, I'm telling you. Uh, maybe this is a story that Jonah didn't want to share uh, with those who would ask. Something a little embarrassing. And yet somehow it, it, you know, it finds its way. Uh, the Lord uses this as part of his holy scriptures. Uh, Joseph, or Jonah, not Joseph, Jonah was not a seaman by any stretch of the imagination, but he, he has a lot in common with the British Admiral Horatio Nelson. And in the, at the turn of the 19th century, there's a battle between a combined forces of, of Denmark and Norway with the British, and things are not going well for the Brits. In fact, they were losing the battle quite horribly. And so the senior admiral 
sends a message through the, the flag system of these ships to Admiral Nelson saying, it, it's time to back out. You need to, you need to sail away, retreat. Well, Admiral Nelson would have none of this. Um, he was into the battle. Even though his ship is being blown apart, the adrenaline was going. He wanted to keep fighting. And so his signalman keeps relaying this message to him, saying, we need to retreat, we need to retreat. And finally he says to his signalman, well, I have the right to be blind sometimes. Because in a previous battle, Admiral Nelson had lost the vision in his right eye. And so he held up the telescope to his right eye. He said, I don't see any signal. And he kept on fighting. Um, and that's you know, where we get that phrase, turn a blind eye. That's how that came into use. If it's uncomfortable, if it's undesirable, then turn a blind eye. Turn a deaf ear. Maybe the, maybe the problem will go away. Does that sound like a, a runaway prophet? I can hear what you're saying, Lord, but you're breaking I can't. I can't hear you. And he runs. But this type of resistance is much more common than we think, isn't it? Like, like Admiral Nelson, we, we tend to respond with resistance to God's gracious call to follow Him. He calls us to depend on Him. He calls us to trust Him. He calls us to partner with Him in sharing the gospel of grace to all people everywhere. But so often we resist this call. We pull back. We run. It's just too risky sometimes to live in obedience to God's commands, to really follow His lead. Lord, do you really know what you're asking of me? Do you know how economically inconvenient this would be for me to go to this person? Are you aware, Lord, of my reputation and my family and the church and the community and what would happen if I obeyed you in this way? No, it's too risky. Too risky. We see that ultimate danger to our pride, right? Our, our, our position to follow the Lord faithfully. When it seems clear, He seems to be showing us something, moving our hearts, yet we resist. So here's where God's mercy should absolutely floor us. should bring us to our knees. He has mercy on those that we would least expect. He has mercy on those that we don't want Him to have mercy on. He may even have mercy on us and our resistance. In His mercy, He calls us. And because He calls His people to be a blessing to all, we need to call upon Him in repentance, confession, thanksgiving. So I want us to consider what this call looks like uh, for Jonah and his experience. And as we do this, be willing to ask the question, how do I respond in times of despair? How do I respond in times of deliverance? And so through this prophetic narrative, it begins with the Lord calling Jonah in chapter 1. But in chapter 2, we have a call from Jonah to the Lord. Nowhere in the opening of this prophecy do we see Jonah communicating with the Lord? Asking the Lord the hard questions. I mean, he makes a very bold statement with his actions. 
But it's not until we get to chapter 2, verse 2, that we see Jonah in this very psalm-like prayer that we've read. Calling back to the Lord. I called out to the Lord out of my distress. And we think, Jonah, why didn't you do this in the first place? Why didn't you, you go to Him? Why don't you run to Him in prayer with your fears? I think of that first Thanksgiving and the pilgrims who made their way across the Atlantic. Very dangerous, very treacherous journey. And many times they, they came up against storms and were forced to make a decision. Would they continue on to New England or would they turn back to Europe? And the Lord, the Lord delivered them. And later, Governor Bradford, he wrote that during those times of distress, they committed themselves to the will of God and chose to proceed. Pray, Jonah. Take your concerns to the Lord. How do you and I respond when we're afraid or we're uncertain? What is our gut reaction when fear just sweeps over us like a storm? Maybe it's a diagnosis that you weren't expecting. Maybe it's a relationship in your family that continues to deteriorate. You run and hide, try to ignore the problem. I know this is happening, but it's not really happening. We run to the Lord saying, Lord, I don't get this. You haven't given me all of the facts that I would like. But I know I can trust you. You are at work for your glory. You are at work for the good of your people in any, every circumstance. Lord, help me. So it took Jonah you know, somewhere in this digestion process for him to call out to the Lord. But when he does, his call is... Uh, certainly one of confession. The Lord had brought him to a place where he could turn nowhere else. Of course, it wasn't until after this event that he could relay this information. That the Lord had brought him back from certain destruction. A destruction that he very well deserved. But the Lord had been merciful. Saved him. Salvation is for me. It is for God's chosen people. But not for the Ninevites. Not for those kind of people. But the the prophet's attitude changes, um, at least for now. I imagine most of ours would change if we were in the belly of a fish. He assumes this posture of repentance. He begins to see that it is the Lord. He is the one responsible for casting him into the deep, it says in verse 3. Lord, I am here by your will. This is my end. I am being digested, but you are present with me. The Lord often takes us to that place where we are forced to acknowledge our weaknesses. Forced to confront our sin and consequently see our need for Him. He takes us there. You've probably heard that phrase, the Lord will not give you more than you can handle. And that perception comes from 1 Corinthians 10 as Paul's encouraging this young church to flee immorality, assures them of God's presence so that they could endure. But the reality is the Lord will often give us more than our finite minds and our abilities and our bodies can handle. He does this so that we would fall into His arms. He does this so that we would see our need and dependence upon Him. 
to truly believe that we only live and move and have our being in Him. I know a dear man, Billy, would always tell me, Brad, when you're on your back, all you can do is look up. It was great. So when you find yourself in that place, you seem to have nowhere else to go. You're at your wit's end. You can do nothing but cry out to God. Take comfort in doing this. The cry of dependence, a cry of confession is very, very dear to the heart of God. We resist this. We resist asking for help, don't we? We resist asking for help from others. We resist asking God for help. But that's really where life begins. This is where healing and peace are found. Incline your ear to me, O Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. We read in Psalm 86, later in Psalm 130. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. He hears. The heart of God is especially tuned to the prayer of confession. Christian counselor Ed Welch, he suggests this. um, When in doubt, confess something. Confess that you are struggling to pray if needed. Confession is always a good place to start when we feel lost. So don't run. Please don't resist confession and calling out to God in times of fear, in times of despair, confusion. It shows us our limitations. It shows us our weakness. And in turn, the unlimited strength of our God on our behalf. As I was reflecting upon the you know, the massacre of a week ago in Texas and just how, how we hurt, how we've been called to hurt. We're not immune to the pain around us. A note from Charles Spurgeon says it so well. When we can't trace God's hand, we must trust His heart. We can't trace His hand. We trust His fatherly heart. So Jonah offers this prayer. He moves from this place of despair to deliverance. Uh, After this whole seafood experience, uh, Jonah can say with conviction, it is foolishness to turn after other gods, to anything that will displace the covenant Lord. God's love for His people is steadfast. He's shown great mercy to His people from from the time of Abraham. Before that, from the time of Adam continues to show them mercy and they continue to rebel against Him and turn from Him. Failing time and time again to be the blessing to the nations as He's called them to be. That was their purpose. This is our purpose. The mission of God for us to be a kingdom of priests, a holy nation to the world. But Jonah soon demonstrates that his his confession is rather short-lived. When the people of Nineveh do repent in chapter 3, rather than rejoicing at God's mercy, rather than giving Him thanks for His deliverance, we find Jonah pouting, even angry at God for not destroying them like he thought God should. See, Jonah is a thankless prophet, representing a thankless people for the compassion and mercy of God that He's shown them over and over again. The actions of Jonah are a call to repentance. On the the part of God's people, they 
it should stir in them, it should stir in us a heart of thankfulness to the Lord. The people of Nineveh, they had nothing going for them spiritually, yet they were spared. And if God can show mercy to a people like that, how much more will He restore and and deliver His chosen, called out people? Salvation belongs to the Lord. He is gracious, compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love. He gives deliverance in the fullest sense. That deliverance is His alone. He delivers whomever He chooses, wherever He chooses, whenever He chooses. So do you and I really believe that? Do we really believe that if God can rescue someone like me, if He can rescue someone like you, that there is certain hope for those that you and I would write off in a heartbeat? friend, family member, maybe it's a neighbor who's rejected God. We're to pursue them. We're to love them out of thankfulness to God for His mercy to us. Again, the extent to which we recognize this mercy and the great depths of our own need, that is the only extent to which we will extend this mercy to all men. We don't know how Jonah responds at the end of this prophecy. Uh, he acknowledges the salvation. That salvation belongs to the Lord in the, in the prayer we've read. But we're left wondering at the end, does, does he really get it? Did, did, he ever, did he ever get the message? Um, how do we respond? Do we begin, how do we begin to move toward others in a way that God has moved toward us? You see, there is another who would respond very differently than Jonah to the call of God. Unlike Jonah, there is one who took the risk. There is one who put up no resistance to the call of God, even when that call was for him to die for a rebellious and ungrateful people. Jonah spent three days and three nights in the belly of the fish, in the depths of despair. The Lord Jesus would spend three days in the grave, taking upon Himself the very destruction that we deserve, that we might be shown mercy, shown forgiveness. So it's out of of this mercy that we extend it to others. It's the only way. It's out of thankfulness for what Jesus has accomplished on our behalf that we can be thankful in any and every circumstance. So give thanks. Thanks. Give thanks for the Lord's provision today, tomorrow, the next day. Jesus took the risk. He responded to the Father's call faithfully in His life, in His death, that we might enjoy life without end. I mean, that is reason for rejoicing, isn't it? That is, reason, that is the sure source and foundation of our thanksgiving. We can praise Him for this. Let's pray together. Lord, we are overwhelmed by Your mercy. We admit, Father, that we often do not get this. We're still in some way, we think, deserving of Your mercy, of Your love, of Your forgiveness in Christ. Purge this from us, Lord, that we might be a repentant people, living a repentant faith before You. 
We thank you for this message through Jonah. Work it into our hearts. Guide us, we ask in Christ's name. Amen.